the day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Well, Coomer, the corrupt college football rankings were released today. And you know what? It's it's a, it's a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat football fan. Looking at the rankings, we see there was some justice in the world. Uh, maybe not as much as some Bearcat fans were hoping, but honestly, what can you expect from a group of people who are just hell-bent on keeping anybody deemed unworthy uh, by not being in a quote-unquote Power 5 conference out of the playoffs? Uh, you know, that's, that's what their goal is. But as of right now, the AP 25 has us sitting at number seven, uh, resulting mainly from a fall in Iowa State. And then we have, in the coaches' poll, moved up two spots from number 10 to number eight. So, um, look, pretty happy at the moment, right? Last year, last season, we're talking about talking about this in October, that the Bearcats are in the top 10. We're talking about it from day one. And only that, we're making the charge. It seems like this is one of those years where it's up to us to just win football games. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's overall a positive to see the Bearcats move in the right direction, right? It could be worse. We saw multiple times last season, especially toward the end, when when the Bearcats would seemingly earn their, their right to move up in the rankings, and it simply wouldn't happen, and they'd be jumped by teams that, that didn't deserve it. So to move from eight to seven in the AP poll is a positive, but there are still just inconsistencies and, and reasons to still be cynical about the rankings. In my opinion, you know, it looks like they really did punish Oklahoma for, for just getting by by the skin of their teeth against Tulane. They moved, the, they moved them in the AP poll from number two to number four. So they moved down two spots. Meanwhile, and, and look, so Oklahoma's offense looks pretty solid. Rattler has a couple interceptions that were were ill-advised throws. And Tulane was certainly more frisky than you would have expected against Oklahoma. But Tulane does have a good offensive team. Um, Clemson, on the other hand, was at three. They only moved down three spots. And, and granted, they played a much better team. They played the AP number two, Georgia. But they looked completely inept in that game. Their defense obviously was was quite good against Georgia. Georgia is not an offensive juggernaut by any means, but offensively, they just could do absolutely nothing. Their offensive line got demolished by Georgia's defensive front, and their quarterback does not look like he's going to be a, a sensation, a youth sensation. I think he's maybe still qualifies technically as a freshman based on the extra year of eligibility, but it just did not look good for Clemson and they did not get punished punitively for that loss um, or even the style points, right? Like from a style points perspective, they should have gotten negative. They had two yards rushing in that game, Hummer. It's, it's a shame. And it's, it's honestly, I think even Clemson staying up that high is just a, a result of the perceived brand awareness of the ACC, which if you're looking at it this year, it's garbage. I mean, I don't, I still think the PAC 12 is, is much worse. Um, but it's garbage. I mean, outside of Clemson, you have to scroll all the way down. I think it's a number, number 19, uh, Virginia tech, number 22, Miami got embarrassed, North Carolina embarrassed. Uh, 
you know, so I, I think they're staying up there simply because they're the, in the, a, the ACC is the brand recognition. We know that the college football playoff committee loves, loves the brands. They want, they want the most eyeballs on the game. Um, I would know, actually, so that's, that's I would take at. the, I would take the PAC 12 over the ACC in my personal opinion. And I think the reason that, that most people don't, and that the general consensus is that the ACC is a better conference is a Clemson has earned the has basically pumped up that conference for the last however many years. They are a legitimate playoff contender year in, year out. They have been an elite program. They have won national championships. And for that reason, they have they have they are the rising tide that lifts all boats, right? They are yep. the tide in this case. But it's it's clearly an East Coast bias. Otherwise, you know, that coincides, Clemson's rise coincides with USC and UCLA and Oregon having down years. To their to their respective reputations but all in all like i would i'd much prefer to have, be in a conference or have a conference that that features oregon usc ucla there there are more powerful more a, a better depth of potential in that conference but you're not going to get it as recognized when you're playing it at 10 p.m on a saturday east coast time so i think that naturally people have a bias against that conference and I think that we overrate the ACC based on the fact that Clemson does all the heavy lifting that lifting in that conference. Um, but that said, I mean, I, I just think where Clemson stands, that's the kind of thing that long-term can be problematic because Clemson is if like, we should actually run through their schedule and see what it looks like the rest of the year. You know, they move on, they play, I'm going to run through it. Now they play South Carolina state. Then they move on to Georgia tech at North Carolina state home to Boston college at Syracuse, at Pittsburgh, home to Florida State, at Louisville, which we saw last night. That's that's a bad team. Uh, got demolished by Miss by Ole Miss. Home to UConn, which, whew, RIP to that program, officially. And then uh, home to Wake Forest at South Carolina. That is that is not a world beater of a schedule. There is not a lot of opportunity for losses on that schedule. And here they are at number six in the country in the AP poll. And they're only up from here after they get wins against these really bad teams. You know, my biggest fear, so that's a good point with their, with their schedule. And then looking at the PAC 12 and looking at what USC's schedule could potentially be. We could be looking at a situation where if, if you USC with their brand recognition, with their name, their, their historical football prowess, where to go undefeated that, this committee, these people in charge would, in my uh, opinion, would 110% have them jumping a, a, a Cincinnati program sitting at number four in the rankings to say, you know what? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's USC though. They're they're power five. They, they look at who they played, you know, uh, that's actually something that's kind of sitting in the back of my mind, considering the fact that they're, they're still at number 14, you know, they're, they're pretty high up there. Heck, Oregon's up there too. Oregon would have that that same shot. Um, it's just it's just weird the way this works. And I'm looking at I'm looking at all these ranks and I'm looking at all these teams and all these brands. And I'm sitting there thinking, all right, you have an Auburn down at number 25, right? Auburn SEC, you know, great, you know, has has a potential, but they're not really going to be playing for anything. You know, they'll be you know they're not going to have a chance at 25 getting into the college playoff. But if we were in a 12 team playoff. Number 25 actually has a shot. You're right. If I have a shot, you go and you win your conference, you become your conference championship. Tw number 25 has a shot getting in the playoffs. I, I'm not understanding what the Alliance is trying to accomplish 
by delaying the college football playoff expansion. Like I don't get what, it, what else they're trying to get to make it better for them or perceived worse for the sec. Um, I feel like that, that proposal that they had out there was good, whether you had four powerful conferences or five powerful conferences and it's good for the group, uh, you know, at least for one person in the group of six every year or a group of five, whatever the heck they're going to be called after this. I just look at that and it's like, it's ever, it's more and more obvious that that, that is going to be a great solution. That's what they need to continue pushing for. I agree. There's, there's not really a weakness in the 12 team proposal. It's I'm a big fan of it. I do think that ultimately college football will end up at expansion for the playoff. I just think that it's a, it's a matter of, they don't know how to walk and chew gum, gum at the same time. And so when they see all the chaos coming from a realignment standpoint, given that Oklahoma and Texas have already said um, hasta, hasta la vista to the big 12, we now see that the big 12 is on the verge of inviting officially and accepting hopefully um, four teams in central Florida, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU. I, it, it's just a matter of, of having an excuse to kick the can down the road because that's what the NCAA does. They don't move quickly. They don't multitask. It's not something that they've ever had, had the capability of doing. So it's a real shame for fans because I think for, from our standpoint, it makes things a lot more compelling when you ha actually have a chance as a team, you know, at the back of the top 25 or just out of the top 25 to earn your right. Like at this point, you still have a chance to win games and qualify for that 12 team playoff. Whereas looking at four teams, like I'm, I'm already getting very like my, the, the thoughts inside my head right now are extremely dark about this 14 playoff. Like I'm already seeing the writing on the wall with how this is going to play out and how they're, how the selection committee is going to interpret things and how, even in the event of an undefeated season, they're going to find a way to snub us. And I know I'm, I'm always Mr. Uh, downside when it comes to the college football playoff, but we'll stop there. I don't necessarily need to go all doom and gloom now. I'm just saying that well, I, can turn, playoff, I can turn around so a little positive for you. I, I'll turn it around to be a little positive to end this, end this, this rate, rate tirade on a positive note. We keep getting guys that are stalwarts and their voices are heard uh, in the college football media landscape. Last year we were dogging him as Kirk Derp Street, um, but he is redeeming himself this year so far because he has Cincinnati in that picture. He's he's flat out saying that if Cincinnati goes undefeated, they're in the playoff. He made a bet that Cincinnati he he put I guess a steak dinner on the line that Cincinnati is going to make the playoff. He, he flat out, he's, he's enamored with us. He thinks there's a great shot. And he said the one thing was missing from last year's schedule. He didn't even say ranked opponents. He said power five opponents. So like, let, let's, let's that sink in because we do play an Indiana team that just got knocked out from the rankings, uh, which is unfortunate because we want to see them being ranked. Um, but as they go through the season, if they turn it around, it's not like they can't jump back up to the rankings just because we're playing them today and they're not ranked at the end of the year. They're going to show up the schedule. And they're going to put their current ranking. So, you know, we're the, after, after Indiana, we're the biggest Indiana fans in the world. You know, same thing with Notre Dame. You know, we're, we're going to be going into there and no matter what they do, like we are playing Notre Dame. It's, it is a brand name. It's going to be nationally televised. We're going to have a lot of eyeballs on it. Playoff committee members are going to be watching that game too. Media members are going to be watching that game. If Cincinnati goes in there and takes care of business, 
they're going to be gushing with love for the Bearcats after that, after those two victories. So that's where I do have like that uh, faith that there's going to be just more positive vibes than there were last year. Cause we're not going to have that, that schedule excuse. We're not going to have this, Oh, you didn't play for a week, but so-and-so played this week and they won this week. So arbitrarily, we're just going to bump, bump them over you because, you know, even though you played two more games than them, they just won this week. So that's, that's, that's the good part here. The also the good part is, is look, Iowa state didn't lose. Like, let's keep that in mind. They didn't lose. They just didn't win with style points and they got jumped by Cincinnati. In both good points. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's a reason for optimism. And I think you did, you did a great job in talking me off the ledge. You've explained why it's, why it's not time to go doom and gloom. It's not time to panic and do the opposite of what I just said in the last episode. Um, I just, it's, I think it's easy to get cynical about these people. I think they've proven themselves corrupt time and time again. I think in all likelihood they will in the future, but you're right. For now, they did the right thing. The Bearcats have moved up in the polls. Iowa State has moved down. Let's see if that trend continues when the Bearcats continue to impress and overrated teams like Clemson, Iowa State, um, and eventually I think we'll call Notre Dame one of those teams as well, continue to flounder a bit. Although, like you said, I'm going to be rooting for Notre Dame after we beat them. Like it's going to be like a very half-hearted rooting, like very you know, like, half-hearted. It's going to be like very a, it's, half-hearted. It's going to be like one of those under the table where, like, when they, you know, when they win, you're just kind of like, yes, you know. <laughs> not, but th- not even like, hey, okay, good job, Brian. Good job, good job, Mister Kelly, Mister Execution, Mister Can't Get Out of Your Own Way, um, Brian Kelly. Good job, buddy. Yeah, and and then when they lose, I'm still probably going to be like. Yes. Yeah. It's like <laughs> part of me will be disappointed, but then part of me is going to be like, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love watching you lose and squirm and get mad and red on the sidelines. Well, I know we talked about the Murray state game with, with Sam Elliott, we have coming on the podcast to discuss our results for the betting action this week. I'm not going to spoil the content in there. It's like you can read the future. It's like we can read the future, but I do want to talk quickly Murray state because like this is one of those games where it sucks that we're playing them. It almost, almost it really does because it does absolutely nothing for us. And it has to be one with style points galore. Like there has to be a five or a six in front of UC's double digit score. Like it has to be 50, 60 points need to be put up on the board to make this like, okay, the Bearcats are still for real. They can beat a really, really crappy team by a lot. I agree. And I think in from the style point perspective, it actually benefits the Bearcats to let that come in the form of Desmond Ritter's legs, arm, and, and just effort, you know, his, his beautiful presence on the field. Like, I think we need to live and die by Des Ritter. You want him to go off. You want him to continue elevating his own personal national brand because that's good for the Cincinnati Bearcats. So I, the big takeaway for me is that this is why continuing the Miami series as, as currently constructed is untenable because we can't afford to have these types of games back to back weeks, especially when you're currently in the American athletic conference. Like it just simply one. does not make sense. You can afford one. That one can be Miami, but you can't afford to also then have a Murray state on your schedule as well. It's pretty brutal. I mean, and I guess this, I it's funny. We complain about the lack of tradition in college football that is disappearing. And then we're complaining when we have too much of a certain tradition in college football. Uh, 
you know, because is it necessary to play Miami every year? Is it okay if we move it to every other year? But, you know, like, I mean, we're comparing, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's tough. Like it's, it is a tradition. It's just like, now you're starting to weigh the pros and cons of the tradition because Miami is now becoming so far down the totem pole in, in respects to college football. It's, it's a tradition that has seen the Bearcats win 15 consecutive matchups. And this isn't like a major prestige program going into the tank for a few years. They're in the Mac. Like, I don't see this coming back and rebounding like they're a sleeping giant in the SEC or something. This is a program that I don't, ha- they don't have a clear trajectory to becoming, you know, a, a national power, at least from a perception standpoint again. So this is never going to get us anything on a national level. Like it's not, it's not doing anything else for us on that level. It's strictly a local rivalry and there is a place for it. Like I said, we can continue playing it maybe every other year, maybe every year, but you've got to cut the other crap out of the schedule. I agree. Well, I I'm think sorry, Murray I'm sorry. It's gonna, look, if they're listening to it, I'm not sorry. I'm just not. Um, we're, we're joining the big 12 knocking on wood. Cause um, you know, it's, it's formal applications supposed to be sent out, I guess within the next 24 hours and then voting done by Friday. But there's also news that come out today that the Big 12 and the SEC have formed a quote-unquote alliance, uh, whatever that would entail. Well, they're, they're talking about an alliance, right? I think, even, I think even the, even the Pac-12, Big 10, ACC alliance, air quotes, isn't official in any sort of legal way. Are, is the, are the SEC and Big 12 doing the same thing? What, is, what does the alliance mean for those two conferences? Basically, they're talking about like scheduling alliances. You know, I, I don't know if I'm reading into this too much or not reading into it enough. Uh, maybe the SEC is worried about the lack of prime partners for scheduling the beginning of the season for, for strong matchups. You know, for instance, a Georgia Clemson is a great matchup to start your year off. Like that is a great way to start your year off. Marquee matchup, two powerhouse programs. And look, if you lose it, it doesn't really hurt you that much. Clemson, yes, did technically drop out, would have been a, a playoff spot where they were currently sitting, but they only fell to number six. They can still make up the difference by winning and other teams losing, but if it could have been easily reversed, if Clemson wins that game, they're still riding, they're still riding an easy streak all the way to the playoff because their schedule's so so trash. But so with the SEC and this partnership, it allows them to be able to get some of those bigger games you know, the bigger schools, the best best schools from the Big 12 on the schedule uh, to fill in those gaps. Because at the end of the day, you do want the strongest resume for the playoff committee, especially with an expansion. Because when you're sitting out there and looking at at large bids, it's, it's going to be, yeah, you're going to have one, maybe even two lost teams making a college football playoff. And it's going to be about who did you beat and how did you beat them? My understanding of the alliance that was formed between those three conferences always seemed to be more focused on preventing chaos in the realignment, right? Let's not poach each other's teams, stay put, don't panic. And, and in addition to that, we can have scheduling benefits where we are, you know, putting the PAC 12 against the big 10 against the ACC, and we're all going to be better for it. When push comes to shove, and this is why I think it's important that nothing's been finalized on this alliance front, 
do you really think that those conferences are aren't willing to deviate from that plan to schedule against some of the premier teams in the SEC? There's so much money on the table with those types of matchups. Are they really not going to do that in the future? I, this is where everything is still fluid. I could see it changing easily. It's still a good idea, though, for the Big 12 to get into bed with the SEC from a scheduling standpoint. Like, I, I see no problem with that. And I would absolutely love to see some matchups happen between those two conferences. And let's be real. We also know who's behind any kind of alliance between the Big 12 and the SEC. It's ESPN. Right. ESPN has to is probably behind this somewhere being like, all right, guys, we couldn't get what we wanted. You know, we couldn't get the uh, Big 12 folded into to the American Athletic Conference where we own own those rights outright. So here's what we need to do. We need to get as many of these matchups on here. We need to show the value because at the end of the day, we can get the SEC more money if the if ESPN controls college football. So screw those other conferences. You guys are the big dogs. You guys will command, you guys will command money. You will make the Big 12 more valuable just by just by partnering with them. <laughs> I could totally see it. I also feel terrible about Bob Bullsby uh, just getting absolutely clown suited by by these major players on ESPN, SEC. Get Bob Bullsby out of here. I'm t- we we don't need him being the uh, the spokesperson for the for our future conference. We don't need. Him. We're the new guys, and we're coming in saying, "Fire the commissioner! Fire the commissioner!" <laughs> he's not good. No, he's a clown. Uh, they missed their opportunity. Look, we know that Oklahoma was on board with bringing Cincinnati in at the, at the last, at those discussions at the, uh, the 2016 ball, you know, at the dance, they were all for it, right? They're clowns. That, that should have been something you're taking control of. You're going to go through the process, then do it. You know, you had all those years and, you know, that's where, that's where the short sightedness of college football gets in the play. And that's where it gets kind of annoying, even with the way they're expanding. Now I read, I read Peter Thamel's, piece on it. he actually said the same thing for the group of five and this was interesting how to realign the group of five teams the remaining teams he basically was like this probably won't happen because of tv rights all this stuff but he's basically saying blow it up blow up all the conferences and bring back your regional matchups basically make divisions a one big conference with divisions in it that are localized so like a miami is going to be in there with ball state akron toledo you know, all those, all those hyper-local schools, getting Memphis in there with like the Louisiana schools, um, you know, the, the, the Southern core it, and like Florida international, South Florida. Like, I'm like, that's a great idea. Sucks. It'll never happen, but that's a great idea to be able to have all those schools play. And then they all play at the end of the year for a giant championship. And the winner goes on to play in the 12 team college football playoff. Right. Yeah, it's it's a very close cousin of the idea to create regional conferences at the beginning that essentially become promotion and relegation uh, conferences as, as a means to like move up the ladder of college football or move down the ladder based on your performance. I feel like that's a close relative. It all feels like a much better idea than the current situation we're in, but it is kind of fairyland. Like it's it's a fairy Never tale. Happened. It's unrealistic. There's too much money at stake already to do some sort of you know, major landscape shifting or that would, that would be more like an earthquake in terms of resetting everything in college football. And I just don't see it happening with, with however many billions are currently established. Well, that's, that's what he's kind of saying. Like, it's not going to happen, but at the end of the day, what I thought's intriguing about it, he made the same kind of argument for the big 12 
to kind of take a step back and take it slow and think about the bigger picture to think about this, not as a reactionary type of thing. Cause it is, this is a hundred percent reactionary on the part of the big 12, but to think about the long term, and right now use this opportunity to swoop up the rest of the best of the power of the group of five, whatever we're called group of six teams or whatever, pick them up, add your conference, go to 16 and then slowly work to build the brand to be incredibly powerful by doing nighttime matchups, doing odd mat, like doing, you know, Tuesday night, college football, Thursday night, college football, you know, get these matchups where there's, you're the only game of the night or be the last game of the day because you get the, you get the Sam antics of the world who, you know, the, the, the game, our gambling junkie brethrens who want to bet, you know, that one last college football game. And so you get the eyeballs on it simply from that market. So who cares where you're getting the eyeballs partner with streaming services so that you're, you're, you're not relying on the TV contracts anymore. You're getting streaming. You know, so you have an app, the big 12 app where you open it up and you can just watch the, watch them because you subscribe to the app, not a TV network. So you're paying the, the conference directly, you know, a hundred bucks a year to stream there, to stream every Bearcat game. Dude, I'll be all on that. I would just like I do with the NBA, just like I do with the MLB. I would be all about signing up directly through the conference to watch my team play. And that's what he was kind of saying is that they could take a longer point of view. And I don't think they're doing that. They're still kind of, and maybe they are, maybe it's part of a second plan. I don't know. Bullsby didn't have the vision and foresight necessary to make the proper expansion move back in 2016. He failed to have that vision and, and didn't execute that yet. He continued to keep his job despite the, the, you know, the crisis that the big 12 is facing today when they're, they're two major money makers of the conference in Texas and Oklahoma leave the conference that the exact reason he failed to deliver back in 2016 is the same reason he'll never have this, the foresight and vision necessary to try the big ideas you're alluding to here. Even if you're not doing all of them, why aren't you attempting to expand the brand, grow the brand and become a, a national power in your own right, even while losing Oklahoma and Texas, he doesn't have the ability to make those types of moves to see the table that way, to see the chessboard that way. And, and that's why I think it is a legitimate concern that he's still the leader of the conference. I'm hoping it's something that's addressed eventually, but nonetheless, we've beaten it to death and we will continue to do so throughout the year because these conversations aren't going anywhere. But, but I, before we get to Sam, I did want to make sure I got a little bit of chance to share with you about what I saw at the fan fest uh, before the, the game against Miami. I, I was one of the people who abandoned the tailgate scene, wandered over to Fifth Third Arena for the NIL event that was the Cincinnati Bearcats Fan Fest, essentially an, an event put on by the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team, not through UC, but independently as an opportunity for the players to make a little coin. Um, not every player participated. Um, Victor Lockin and Abdul Doe did not participate and my understanding is that that has something to do with the rules about international players, players born abroad. We also did not get a chance to see John Newman III, which was disappointing because he is someone I'm very intrigued about. Um, and he, he himself was very disappointed about not being there. But we did get to see plenty, plenty of other things. So I'll take you through this summer. And if you have questions or want to chime in or want to dive for more information, let me know. Um, the event was... Go my ahead. first question is... Where the heck 
are the highlights of Steve Logan just drilling the free throw, drilling the the half court shot. I know we're talking about the current players here, but I feel like I'm I'm having trouble finding finding exactly where this clip is. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed about this story. I haven't told anyone this yet. Um, <laughs> what what Hummer's referring it to, out of you. <laughs> the first event of the day was the Shooting Stars competition, which if if you're an NBA connoisseur. This is an event they they haven't really done at recent All-Star weekends, but they used to lean on. It used to be you would have an NBA player, a retired player, and then a WNBA player team up. One player has to make like a short, a short bank shot from the you know elbow area. Another player is making a free throw, a three-pointer, another player makes a three-pointer, and then all three teammates shoot from half court. And when they make it, their time stops. Whichever team has the fastest time wins. So these are teams of three. I love the idea. The way they did it, most teams had a former Bearcat. They had a current, and then maybe a mixture of two current Bearcats. So the first team to go is Hayden Caval. It is Mike Saunders Jr. And the third member of their team is Steve Logan. And because I'm excited, I'm hyped up on seeing Cincinnati basketball in person, I pick up my phone and I start recording the event. At the beginning, you see Hayden Caval miss about three shots, easy shots, point blank, uh, but he makes his fourth, sends it out to Mike Saunders. Sorry, he sends it out to uh, – I'm worried that I've got the players wrong here. There must be another. Oh, he sends it out to Steve Logan, who is shooting the free throw. So kicks it out to Steve Logan at the free throw line. Logan buries his free throw. Who We, we know he's not going to miss that shot. Steve, confident, sends it over to Mike Saunders Jr., he misses his first three, makes the second, which means they now have to start shooting half-court shots. Hayden Caval is the first one to let it fly, does not go in. I believe the second player to let it fly is Steve Logan. Cash. Cash from midcourt on his first attempt. And I promise you, that was in the running for the most energy in the crowd. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. That was amazing to get the feeling of watching Steve Logan in fifth third arena shooting again and watching him bury both jumpers with ease and just strutting off the court with this confidence and swagger and charisma. It was a magical moment uh, for such a kind of off the cuff event. I thought it was really, really special. The embarrassing part is I stopped recording after Mike Saunders jr. Hit his three. I, (laughs) I can't explain it. I don't know why I did it. I think it was because I I wasn't really sure what I was getting necessarily, but I missed the one thing I missed in that competition was the midcourt shot, which obviously was, would have been so money from a content standpoint. So I apologize for that. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that apology is well-deserved for all our fans, uh, including myself. Um, I hear him talking about it and I'm like, I'm seriously, he's like, Oh, I live streamed the whole thing. And yeah, like it's on my Instagram or our Instagram. I'm like, oh, so I'm like looking and I'm like, I, I don't see this man. I've watched like 20 minutes of content here and I have not seen the Steve Logan shot here. Um, uh, disappointed. I didn't want to live stream the entire event because I felt like I wasn't as focused on what was happening. My personal enjoyment Fair went enough. down when I live Yeah, streamed. you, you want to be you want to be present. But I did live stream the three-point competition because that felt big based on the contestants, and I think it proved to be a very worthwhile event to record. Um the one thing I'll say is I went to this event with my dad, with my uncle and my uncle's two sons. And it, it really was 
very well run. I thought, you know, you've got a host, they keep it moving. There's fans going out, taking shots, having free throw competitions. Um, there are refreshments and beverages and snacks available. And it was just a great way to kind of get people excited for the new era. You get to see Wes Miller come out on court. You get to see former great Bearcat players like Steve Logan, Jamar Johnson's hanging around the court. Terry Nelson's there. A.D. Jackson's there. Um, um, Corey Blunt is there. You, you just got to whoa, whoa, Corey was there. He's, Corey Blunt was in attendance. He's back, baby. You've got this unified <laughs> front of players, basically, that are there supporting the new coach, the new the new era of Cincinnati basketball. And it felt it felt really good. It felt really just it, it, it felt great to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan again. And, and it's been I know we've been excited since Wes Miller got hired, but it felt it was in person seeing these guys again. And for the guys who are returning, they don't have experience watching you know, fairly sizable crowds in fifth third arena. So this wasn't sold out by any means. It wasn't packed, but it was a solid crowd. There was energy. Because they was did cheering. it on the wrong day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> or, could, sorry, they did it at the wrong time. <laughs> you definitely could have picked a better time and gotten even more. You could have open, opened the concession stands or like a couple of the concession stands and told people after the game, like, come on in. We're serving beer and hot dogs. <laughs> I know. I know. They really, they definitely could have, could have picked it. Uh, could have set it on a better day, but nonetheless, um, they also could, had a three-point competition. Yeah, true. <laughs> you can see the 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 full video of the three-point competition is on our Instagram page at Cincy Slangin. It's about 15 minutes long, I believe. And the contestants in that were AJ McGinnis, Mason Madsen, Jeremiah Davenport, and David DeJulius. Uh, Davenport didn't have his best showing in the three-point competition, but he absolutely showed out during the 10-minute running clock scrimmage they did. He was the best player on the court by far. And But for the three-point competition, uh, Mason Madsen showed out. Like, Mason Madsen ended up being your winner. His first-round performance was a 24-point round that brought the house down. That was probably the loudest the crowd got when when he was, you know, reining in eight consecutive three-pointers to end his round. In the first round, AJ McGinnis also two very strong showings. I think he scored 15 in each round. Clearly a shooter, clearly an athlete. It's also nice when your two finalists for the three point competition are also in the dunk competition. Neither one of them had amazing performances. I'd say AJ was the better of the two, uh, but both of them can get up. Both of them have have athleticism. And then finally, Hummer, the dunk competition. I'm not going to go into a ton of detail on because it didn't really live up. But but the guy who was the best. No one jumping over golf carts, you mean? No, no golf carts. No, th- not a lot of 360s. There was a 360 actually, but not a lot of, uh, not a ton of, not, not much delivered. There were some empty, empty results there. But Jared Hensley is every bit of 6'9, 6'10. The guy is wide shouldered. He's very athletic. He has a great presence about him that was having fun out there, getting the crowd pump up, <laughs> pumped up. Uh, waving his arms, getting people to to stand up, clap, get involved, and uh, showed a lot of athleticism out there. Delivered some nice dunks, and then I thought in the scrimmage, Jared Hensley, he was matched up against Jeremiah Davenport. What I loved to see was that the two of them really were competing hard with each other, and Jeremiah got the best of him in this scrimmage, but it's going to be a great, great developmental uh, situation for for Jared Hensley the fact that he kind of plays the same type of position as Jeremiah Davenport 
competing against him day in, day out is going to make him a better player. He does have touch. He does have an outside shot. Saw him make a three. Saw him make a free throw. Uh, saw him make a nice Dirk Nowitzki-esque turnaround one-footed fadeaway, which, my Lord, add that. This man is all of 6'10". So uh, it was it was great to see the Bearcats. I'm, I'm Because I'm the only one there, I'm, I'm self-conscious about rambling here, but it was a very good event. I hope they continue to do this type of thing in the future. And if you have any questions about other players, let me know. But that was it was a fun time. So was this is this in replacement of Midnight Madness? Like, are they officially are we practicing full time now? Or are we like, nope, no, this was not any sort of formal kickoff of the season. This is its own independent event put on by the players as an NIL event. So there has been no this kind of like a, a showcase your talents, maybe get yourself a deal. Get yourself a deal. I think I think the event itself generated i think they were paid money for the event like i think they actually because they showed up and performed and, and had a dunk competition and a three-point competition my presumption is that they had they received some sort of monetary compensation for that from the program that was sponsoring the event and i'm, I'm blanking on who that was and i i don't care to look it up right now but that's that's what i think it was uc hasn't announced a midnight madness i hope they do like i even if it's not midnight i would do my preference is Midnight Madness, I thought last season or the year before, I should say, was was a big success. People are ready for it. And um, what we, was the event called? Bearcat Madness. No, no, no. The one you just went to. That was called FanFest. There's one more thing about FanFest I should have mentioned. The first thing they did of FanFest was introduce, personally introduce every single Bearcat alumni, basketball player alumni that was in the crowd. Every single one of them, they called out, even if they were late showing up, they said they're not here yet, but they will be. Kevin Johnson got a shout out. I mean, they, we talked about that two years of Bearcat Madness, about not calling out your, your Bearcat alumni in attendance. That was something they did at this event. And I hope it's something that this actual university will do, too, when they have an event like Bearcat Madness or any sort of function of this nature. So these, these sponsors are not uh, sponsors of our podcast. But anytime local businesses want to help in and pitch in with the NIL and, and give our players deals, more than happy to mention these guys on the podcast. Keep helping out the cats, help out with the NIL. But we have Campbell's Soup, Lunsford's Cattle Company, the, the 9258 Wealth Management, Dick Sports. We have Hatton, what does it say? Hat, the Hatton Foundation, Heritage Health Management Company, Simple Truth, Campbell's Snacks, and, and Pro Camps U. Look, thanks, guys, for helping out the cats. Thanks for giving these guys NIL deals. Uh, everything you guys can do, we, keep, we, we really appreciate it as fans for you guys stepping up. Hummer, that's why you run the business side of Cincy Slam. <laughs> well, let's leave it there, buddy. We will move, this, move on and talk to Sam Elliott about our our uh, gambling opportunities for our upcoming weekend of college football. We are now joined by Sam Elliott, the gambling expert for the Cincy slang and Bearcat podcast. Sam, expert might be a strong term. Thank you for joining the Cincy slang and Bearcat podcast today. It is my pleasure. I am just so, so glad I can, Show my face around here again after that. You see Miami over finally hit. How about that? How about that third quarter, huh? <laughs> it's boy, not exactly how was, we wanted it to hit. Your boy was sweating. 
Did you stand I, up? I on looked your it up. I, were you I, cheering? Were you cheering the pick six at the end? Is that what was happening? I was. I'm. The, I was that guy. Absolutely. I, no shame. I mean, he, we're winning. We're up by thirty something points. I come on, forty something points. I, you know, it doesn't matter. It's also uh, pretty funny that you're talking about showing your face around here again when you're literally sitting in a a dark. <laughs> backlit garage with a, a face that is nondescript. I can't see any facial expressions. It's impossible yeah, to lighting. see your smile, your eyes, none of it. You look like you're in witness, witness protection right now. That seems to be a running theme for us, for me on this podcast. That's all right. That's all right. It's not well, a video. It's, it's not a video medium. Well, we're coming back again, Sam, to kind yes. of hit on our, our upcoming matchup here against Murray State. So we're certainly going to want to hit on the Cincinnati Bearcats lines that are available um, for the coming week. But I do think it's worth revisiting the conversation we had last week about Desmond Ritter's Heisman trophy odds. Where were we at last week? Last week, I believe we were at 50 to one. Yes. Yes. Plus 5,000. All it took was, you know, almost 400 yards and, five touchdowns and the very best odds you're going to find on a Desmond Ritter Heisman campaign today, September 7th, plus 2,200 wow. over cut over in half, more than in half. Insane. So you got, you, you got on it at the right time, Coomer. I'm proud. I'm happy to have gotten on the train. I feel like that game was the, the, the spitting image of what Des Ritter would have to do this season during, you know, 80, 90% of his games in order to be a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender. And that is basically be a one-man show, a one-man wrecking crew, throwing touchdowns. We're inside the 10, doesn't matter. I'm throwing a touchdown. We're inside the 20. I'm, I'm taking this fourth down and I'm taking it to the house. I'm throwing for 300 yards. I'm rushing for another 30 to 50. That is the roadmap for a UC Bearcat to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, pad those stats. There's there could be no letting up, no, no more taking your foot off the gas, no more scoreless third quarters by by all means. Unless he's just not playing, unless Des just isn't playing in the third quarter this week. Because uh let's just jump right into it. Murray State. What are we gonna um, do? Are we gonna recap what, what happened last week? I feel, oh, like, yeah. I feel like there's a there's a I feel like there's a bet within the bets that's gonna happen here now that we have a way of tallying up points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, tell us tell us about your plan here, Sam. How, how are we my, actually oh, going to track this stuff for the rest of the year? I'm, I, we're each going to make every week. We're each going to have one unit to play with. Make ourselves an imaginary UC football or, or you know just UC sports bet once one pick a week, uh, maybe maybe two. Split it up half unit a pop. Um, but I'm keeping. I'm going to keep track of everything. Homer rocked with the over and the UC cover against Miami. Got that big hit there to. Oh, put him up. You know, I'm keeping the math really simple here. Win or lose on one unit bets. That's just going to be a you know one unit win or loss. Uh, Hummer with the big parlay gets he's you know atop our standings right now at uh, you know plus two point six units for the season. Uh, your boy over here just taking that straight up. UC Miami over fifty last week puts me up one unit and Coomer. Coomer, we, this is how we're playing the futures. Coomer split his last week into two picks, half unit on that Desmond Ritter Heisman trophy at plus 5,000 and a good old half unit on the UC national title at plus 15,000. Quick update there, though. The very best odds you can get on a UC national championship today 
only plus 10,000. So mm. those odds got cut by a third since we last spoke. Shrewd bets by myself. I'm going to pat Absolutely. myself on the back. And, and to be frank, my one week, my week one assessment of the field when assessing the Bearcats ability to win the national championship, there's only one team I'm scared of Alabama outside of Alabama, the Cincinnati Bearcats can and would beat anybody else in the country. That, that's where I'm at. I'm feeling very, very good right now about our Cincinnati Bearcats. I think you have every right to be feeling good. Um, the only other, you know, futures uh, odds update I have for you is uh, that conference championship, you know, still, still the American conference championship uh, just dropped even more from, from the best you could get minus 200 last week to minus 250 now. So, uh, you know, this thing, that, that that's a number that's just going to keep growing and growing every week. So yeah, those, to, those odds aren't going to track. improve in, in, in your favor after Murray state, like there's, there's nothing that's going to happen this week to make Dez's odds for Heisman go back up to 5,000 plus 5,000. There's nothing that's no, going to make no, our no. national championship odds go in that direction either. Like this is all trending toward um, Vegas tightening up when it comes to the Bearcats. Absolutely. It's fun to, to just kind of, keep a mental note and track those, the changes in those over the course of the year. Just so I, I think we're going to see Vegas slowly, slowly, but surely uh, given the, given the Bearcats a little bit more respect. Wow. I thought this was interesting. I saw this on Twitter. The second biggest liability uh, for the sports books right now is Des Ritter for Heisman. Wow. Really? So who was he behind? Who was number one? I didn't, I don't recall who was number one, but I'm sorry. I got you. I got you. It was Spencer Rattler. It's gotta be Spencer Spencer Rattler. Rattler. Yep. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, all right, we're going to get down to the end and Ritter's going to be, you know, top three. It's going to be being talked about national media. Vegas is going to be crapping their pants and they're going to be saying, all right, let's make a bunch of Cincinnati fans rich. We're going to buy you out. (laughs) (laughs) What a glorious, glorious time that would be. So that's kind of a good wrap up of where we're at, where, where we're at after week one. How do we look going into week two, Sam? What information can you tell us about the Murray state matchup um, in terms of what kind of plays we can make this coming week? All right. Well, if this was your week to get started diving into the, gambling on UC football I have unfortunate news for you this is one of those rare college football games where absolutely no book wants to touch it um there's too much of a mismatch um you know you see this sometimes at you know certain books versus other ones you know somebody will have and, and honestly there may be you know some hidden away lines out there somewhere but none of the major players none of the you know, name brand, uh, especially mobile or oriented sports books uh, out here in my neck of the woods. Nobody, nobody is touching this game with a, with a 10 foot pole. They, there is no number big enough that they could put on this game that I don't think Cincinnati would have a realistic chance of covering. So they just throw their hands up and say, no, nah, you're not even going to have a chance to bet on this one. However, what a buzzkill. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to come on here and leave y'all high and dry. We have some uh, little random hodgepodge of further assorted Cincinnati lines to, to check out. Um, you know, our next game of importance, obviously, 
at Indiana. Um, a week when we recorded last, you know, heading into week one, that UC at IU game was a pick 'em, straight up. Take your pick either way. Since blowing out Miami, and meanwhile, Indiana absolutely embarrassed by Iowa in week one. That line has moved a full two and a half points in UC's favor. Um, so, you know, you can get the Bearcats at minus two and a half. They're like minus 130 on the money line. And like I use at like plus 108, 110, somewhere around there. So, so that line has seen five to five and a half points of act of, of movement over the last seven to 10 days, basically. Cause I think you uh, said it was a pick em, but I think when we recorded the podcast, the last time you saw it, the Bearcats were getting two and a half, two, two and a half, three points, something like that. I, they? I do have, no, I got I do have a correction on myself on that one. The, 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 the IU game was still a pick was a pick at that point. It was the Notre Dame game. The Notre Dame was favored is they were favored and still are by that uh, two and a half number for the uh, match that matchup in South Bend. You see only sitting at like a plus one Oh five money gonna- line underdog though. You're going to get my kneecaps broken with these types of of egregious errors. (laughs) I do apologize. All right. That's interesting. I mean, pick them, pick them sounded nice going into last week. Yeah. We blow out. I, we blow out Miami. IU gets blown out by Iowa. I do. They also fell off. They fell out all the way out. Not just that far, but they they fell all the way out from the rankings. Yeah, completely unranked. That's unfortunate. And they did get they did somehow get some votes though. So let let me check out the Indiana football team's schedule here. They are <laughs> the home, Indiana football team. The Indiana football team schedule. Uh, they are playing. <laughs> it's like I'm calling them the Washington football team. The Indiana football team. They're no longer the Hoosiers. That has been removed. Um, after last week, they are hosting Idaho this coming week on September 11th at 7:30 PM. Idaho is coming into Bloomington to try and keep uh, the beatdowns rolling. This seems like a nice opportunity for Indiana to get a rebound victory, win by a bunch of points, restore the national media's faith in their ability to comp- compete in the Big Ten. The Bearcats are playing an even more more of a no-name team in Murray State. To me, like I'm thinking in terms of value, do I bet the Bearcats minus 2.5 in Indiana or do I wait a week to see if Indiana can get a little bit of their chutzpah back? Man, I said that word terribly. A little bit of their swagger back in the national media, see if Vegas loves them a little bit more. And can we get that back to a pick What do you guys think? Can that? Do you see that line moving in a different direction next week? I don't know. The problem is not the problem. It's not a problem. It's a good problem to have is the Bearcats are going to go out against Murray state and look like absolute absolute world beaters. (laughs) So you would need Indiana to, to just run Idaho out of time. I mean, I just don't think there's any way Indiana beats Idaho more impressively than UC beats Murray state. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, it's there's nothing that the Bearcats are going to do this week. That's going to p- make people lose their faith and their ability to go to Indiana and win. I don't really see that line getting much more, you know, in the Bearcats favor. Like I don't see it going to minus four minus five. I highly doubt that. 
unless Indiana just does the unthinkable and loses to Idaho, in which case, oy vey, like that's that's just that's a that's a terrible terrible result. And I don't like I'm not a guy who likes scoreboard watching, but that would be that would be atrocious. Um, interesting, interesting. So Bearcats minus two point five. You want that Hummer? You going to take that action? Oh, I mean for sure we're going to beat Indiana, but. You know, we have to wait till the week of Indiana to make our official picks. I think this week we need to just, I think we need to set our own line for the Murray state. You know, what are we, what are we thinking here? What's the over under? Is it, is it 75? Is, is the over set at 75? <laughs> is the, is the spread 55 and a half? <laughs> Can I, before we make our own line for it, cause I'm definitely okay to do that. I just looked at oddshark.com and they had the predicted score of the Bearcat Shocker football game as 53.5 Cincinnati, zero Murray State. So we oh could use God. that as sort of our imaginary bench benchmark. That's perfect. For what happens in this game. Like the line could be minus 53.5 for Cincinnati. And we're deciding are you over? Are you under? Are you are you pro Bearcats? Are you pro pro Murray State? That's up to you. But I, I am curious. I want to see how good Sam is here. Are we able to get odds? on American athletic conference, offensive player of the year or defensive player of the year, either one. I'm sorry. I feel like that's going to be a runaway, right? These, these college football could be a hedge. I might have a hedge in mind. Like college football conference player of the year stuff is not. Yeah, no, you're not the only, you know, player futures out there is, is the Heisman. Cause wouldn't Jerome Ford be an interesting bet an interesting flyer. Oh, absolutely. After what we saw in week one, I mean, obviously Des Ritter was the star of the show, but there are going to be games where Jerome Ford is is running for 150, 175, 200 yards, three tutties, and, and all of a sudden we're saying, like, this guy is a Cadillac, is a Ferrari, is a Ford. Definitely not a Ford. But we're, we're you know, where he could potentially put himself into Offensive Player of the Year conversation for the American Athletic. And you get great odds. But that you're yeah, saying that doesn't if you, exist. If you yes, if they existed and were were easily findable and playable, yes. However, college, the the books are the same way as far as like uh, individual college player props go for games. Like they just don't, they just don't do them for every game. I remember specifically like. I can remember specifically like betting on a, uh, when Justin Herbert was in, was at Oregon, you know, he, they had, Oregon had a, had a, you know, national TV primetime game. He was their big name, you know, big name in the sport, you know, college, it just all of it. And that was, you know, that was a, one of the rare times like, Oh, Hey, there's, you know, individual player over unders for this game out there. That's, and, and, and they, they, they wouldn't come out until maybe, the day of or the day right the you know, day before the game it's just not the same uh not not the same gambling world as the nfl for some reason i think there might just be too much going on too many teams yeah. too many games too many players i mean they would leave the, themselves way too exposed yeah, if they were putting lines exactly. in the game so i i can't blame them i to be honest Hummer, i'm in a place where i want to make this very official like i want our picks the units we're moving out here i want them to be on official lines. So we can, we could do a fun bet so, on the 53 and a half. I'm just not sure if it should count toward the official record. I, I agree. 
so like this is just a, a week off. Do we have to bet on an opponent? Do we have to like, say pick, we, we pick a game? Like what what's a what's a game are we what's the game we're picking? <laughs> Get in early on the you know, use the IU or Notre Dame look aheads or uh I'm not getting in early on the IU Cincinnati line because a because A, I, w- I just want to see what happens with everything this weekend. I want to monitor the injury situation. I want to make sure that Indiana is not going to do the unthinkable and lose to the Idaho potatoes. Um, I just need to make sure all of these things transpire before I actually make that official pick. Do I like we have it. A ga- What's the game? So of the wait, week wait, 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 wait. So I'm going to go through this logically in my head. Then the outcomes for us, basically, if you're waiting on Indiana is that you're just saying, all right, if they bust out, blow out Oregon or Idaho, all of a sudden you get better odds, which is probably not going to happen. Every other scenario probably results in the line staying the same or getting even worse in terms of uh, from a pick'em standpoint from the, from, from the Cats. Uh, screw it. I'll take the Indiana. I'll, ta- I'll might take be smart to get in now. So you're yeah. taking the Hoosiers? No, no. I'm going to take the Bearcats next week. I'm going to take the unit this week on, on for, the, for the future game. Okay. That still doesn't solve our problem for making a pick this week, but you're locking yourself in for your week three. Hammers on the Bearcats minus two and a half. Yes. I I think that's a wise, a wise choice. And yeah, we can, I thought we that's can where you were going our... with that. That's where I thought you were going with that, Kim. I think honestly, look, this week I I think we should say if, if they think the score is gonna be 53 and a half, that is the spread someone's throwing out there is 53 and a half. That's what we should go with. Look, this is a fun betting thing for us right now. I'm sorry, make, Bearcat fans. There's no action on the Bearcats this week. But then make, <laughs> the, nothing. make the over-under 53 and a half as well. So you've got an over-under 53 and a half in addition to a Bearcats minus 53 and a half line. Yes. Okay. And, I, and I'm going to parlay it all day. <laughs> going big. I like it. Let's do that. Let's let's make We're gonna score picks. 70, guys. And We're gonna score 70. I'm going to force upon you. I'm gonna give you a choice of two games this week. Sam, you could start doing some background research while Hummer and I filibuster. I want us to pick between Oregon at Ohio State and Iowa at Iowa State using I, one of those games, and we're gonna lock in a pick from one of those two games. Okay, I'm ready because you are ready. I'm, so let's let's before we get there, let's 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 finalize and put a stamp on our made up lines for Murray State. Hummer, you can kick things off here. Over under and the spread. How are you going? For for Murray State? Yes. Oh, it's 53 and a half. I'm I'm parlaying the spread and I'm parlaying the over. All right. Like that's that's happening. I'm gonna <laughs> This is why Vegas doesn't want to touch this game because it's so know, damn scary. Because it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I, but, I will say that I'm going to I'm going to also parlay, and it's going to be Murray State to cover and the over. Man, no, no faith in this defense to shut out lowly Murray State. <laughs> Things will get weird, you know, like backups are gonna be in in the second half. You yeah, never know. I'm not even worried about it because uh Evan Prater. <laughs> Good job, Hummer. You did it, buddy. I had to, I still was like, I paused. I paused. I'm like, what? what all right. Uh, I mean, he's going to score two touchdowns, but he's going to score, score him with his legs, right? Like, that's, there's two touchdowns for him, at least in one quarter. Des Ritter is going to, going to beat 
tie or beat the record for touchdown passes at six. Like this is going to be an absolute demolishing, demoralizing. Like Murray State's going to want to go and end their season after this game. They're going to want to be like UConn and just think about legitimately folding the program after this week. It's so sad. I, I just think what you're mi- you're missing something here though, and that's that in week one, Murray State won thirty five nothing against the Mississippi Valley State Delta Devils. Can you fathom a worse mascot right now in America than the Delta Devils? My God! Wow! Yikes! So you're taking the superstition here. You're so you're you're giving Murray State some props for for looking Delta in the face and saying I'm not <laughs> afraid of you. <laughs> uh, I it, I have I I sh- it's. It's counter. It's counterintuitive. Honestly, I I am a believer in the Bearcats. I'm I'm with you. Like I I could easily see them scoring upwards of of sixty points in this game. I don't know why I believe that Murray State will get any points in this game. It's just a gut feeling. I'm rolling with my gut on this one. I'm rolling with Murray State to cover fifty three and a half. Uh, for every right. touchdown that Des throws or scores. Or hands off. This this is just just being ridiculous now. I will chug a beer. <laughs> Sam, go ahead and make your picks, and then we'll move on to uh, either Oregon, Ohio State. Yeah, I'll just or the I'll Iowa just Bowl. keep it. I'm just keeping it simple and rocking with that that over over fifty three and a half. Uh, just just the over in this. In I don't this. want to mess around with the sides. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So which game are we? Let's transition then to the national game, the national spotlight. So we can have a little bit of fun with it this week. Which game are we going to go with? Are we going with the, the Iowa bowl or are we going with the, the more local Oregon or Ohio state game? I was going to bring up that Iowa game simply because of, for some reason, you know, this goes back to last year where corrupt college football playoff rankings put us, but, you know, let Iowa State jump us after their, you know, ho-hum season. Really nothing to get too excited about. But um, in, in week one this year, Iowa State goes out, collects the win, gets the W, kicks their season off with a victory against good old Northern Iowa by the eye-popping score of 16-10. to 10. Somehow, somehow, Iowa State is a between a four and a half and five and a half point favorite against an Iowa team that just blew the pants off of Indiana. And these are like two of the teams really close behind Cincinnati in the in the rankings right now. So I, I don't know. I don't like. I, I don't. That means that's the more intriguing one to go for here. I don't like our it. Hearts, I, our hearts are telling us that we want that to be a low-scoring affair. We want it to look awful. We probably want Iowa to, to squeak out the win against Iowa State, uh, probably because Iowa's scheduled longer. They're probably going to have a, a more more opportunities for losses there. Uh, yeah, and then we can just start creating that rivalry with Iowa state talking about how the Bearcats are just, you know, better than the cyclones. I know how much gonna... Coomer loves the scoreboard watching. 
Yeah. But I, I, I personally, I love it. I can't get enough of it. And Hang it's on. not even just because of how it affects Cincinnati. I just loved, I just love it. I should clarify. I like watching the teams that are relevant <laughs> to us, right? Like I like watching top 10 football. I like watching Notre Dame and future opponents come into play here. What I don't like is don't panic about it. What are you doing? Pull yourself together. It's Have some self-respect. It's just fun to watch. Hey, it's just fun. I'm not going to well, panic. Well, let me have the phone of it right now. It sounds like we're going with the Iowa Bowl, and I agree. We should go with this game. Series history. Iowa has 45 wins. Iowa State has 22 wins. Iowa is on a five-game heater against the Cyclones um, from 2015 to 2019. They took a year off last year because of uh, the lack of conference mingling that happened during the COVID season. Because the raging, the Delta, the Delta fighters, that what it was? The Delta Devils? I guess it wasn't the Delta Devils at that time, but it's the Delta Devils now. It's still raging. Um, And we know who to blame now. It's Mississippi Valley State. I would say those those all bode well for the Bearcats, right? Seeing Iowa on that type of run against Iowa State, kind of taking them out as a potential uh, candidate to sneak into the playoff over the Bearcats. However... Iowa themselves is also going to end up in that conversation as the, as they continue winning. So it kind of feels a little bit like a lose, lose, but I am very much feeling Iowa in this case, but I need the stats. I need the, what is the line? What's the over under? Where are we at? I have the, yeah, I have DraftKings at, at 46 and the line at 4.5 going towards Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. Plus 4.5 for Iowa. Yes. That's yeah. my unit, Sam. Give Same me here, Iowa man. four and a half all day. I'm all over the Hawkeyes. Yeah. It looks like we're, we're all going to make zero progress this week because we're all taking Iowa at plus four and a half. Yep. Uh, take it to the bank. Not literally. I mean, don't listen to us. Don't, don't take our <laughs> advice on anything. Not but, literally, you know. but that is, that's, that's where I'm at. I'm feeling confident down, in picking just, the Iowa Hawkeyes at Iowa state to cover to, to, co- I mean, they're getting four and a half points all day. hundred percent. I'm going to read you the scores of these past five seasons or the, the past five matchups in 2019, Iowa won 18 to 17 in 2018, Iowa won 13 to three in 2017, Iowa won 44, 41 in 2016, Iowa won 42 to three. And in 2015, Iowa won 31-17. Those most recent matchups are more relevant given the, the upward trajectory of the Cyclone program. But what I might take away is these are generally close, lower scoring matchups. All of that favors Iowa getting four and a half. I love it. That's where I'm at. That's my unit. Book it. All right, boys. Well, Sam, I appreciate you coming on despite not having good news from a gambling standpoint. The can good I, news for us is that this I'm, should be the yeah. last time this happens this season, I imagine. Absolutely. Can I hit you with some bonus nuggets? Give me some bonus nuggets. I love bonus somehow, nuggets. somehow the Eastern Carolina Pirates are one point favorites against South Carolina this week. I don't know a thing about South Carolina, but what in the world? Wait, what? Did I read? Did I did I read this completely wrong? Hang on, because I, I, I made a point to check out all the AAC teams. And God, aren't you aren't you excited to never have to do that again? God, you're right. This is this is a pick'em where I, I my line is a pick'em with an over under of fifty eight. 
East Carolina at home against South Carolina. Wow. 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 I don't know. I couldn't tell you one single thing about South Carolina football this year, but that's just shocking. Um, the next one, just showing signs of the, the true futility of this conference, uh, our friends at the Naval Academy, six and a half point underdogs against, uh, you know, college football powerhouse Air Force. Uh, and then here, I think this is why, I think this next line alone is why Central Florida is getting the Big 12 invite instead of Memphis. Memphis is only a four and a half point favorite against good old Arkansas State. And if you ever needed a better example as to why we are trying to get the hell out of the American Athletic Conference, my lord. Uh, One final American Athletic Conference nugget for you. This is a fun one. You guys are going to like this one. Here we are today, early September. We have our first look at the college basketball regular season conference title odds. Let's go. Oh, baby. Your favorites for the American Athletic Conference title, regular season title, that is. Um, Surprising no one. Memphis is the favorite. Plus 125. Fade. Fade. Penny penny season. Fade. Um, all right, who's your who's your guess for the runner up? Houston favorite. It's got to be. You would be you'd be correct. But it's a, it's like, a nice I'm, drop. I'm taking I'm taking that. I'm taking that's where that my money. Day. That's where my money would be allocated at this point. Would be Memphis at me plus whatever they're getting. Mem- all day. Houston plus 350. Yep. Next in line. Wichita State Shockers at plus 450. Our, our, how, our gaps are. Let's see how far how far down you have to go to for me to start throwing all of my money on the Cincinnati Bearcats. The gaps get a little larger here. Next up, fourth place favorite, Central Florida at plus six fifty. Then God, these Vegas people are terrible. Cincinnati Bearcats projected, you know, per the Vegas odds here to finish fifth in the American plus seven fifty to win it. I'll dabble. Um, and really, that's it. I mean, the next the next closest team is SMU at plus 2,000. So it's really that those top five and everybody else. I did think this was interesting. UC is plus 750 to win the American odds. Comparable to, closely comparable to, to West Virginia is at plus 800 right now to win the Big 12. I don't know exactly what to make or how to exactly connect those, you know, two numbers with across across conferences and and everything but i imagine there's I, a little bit of head it's fun to look at part. considering our future heading into that conference there, i nice. think there's a, there's a little bit of hedging with the bearcats on vegas's part because they don't know what to make of it they know we have what could potentially be a conference player of the year in jeremiah davenport but it's a new coach so there's some unknowns there so i think they give you some odds but they just don't know. So they can't make them great, but they can't make them terrible because this team does have talent. And it's Cincinnati. We're always a wild card. Yeah, I think 750 is is probably about right, to be honest with you. And and you'll hear at the beginning of the podcast, we will have talked about the Fan Fest and the reasons that I'm very, 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 very excited about the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team this year. But uh, to me, the 350 that you can get for Houston right now is awesome value. I'm probably going to be texting you after this podcast, Sam. Like that is that is fantastic. 
there's no way in hell I would ever uh, put my money on cocaine Hardaway. That's just not happening. I absolutely loved that analogy last week or last episode. That was so funny. <laughs> well, I appreciate the little nuggets, Sam. Uh, good. Can I leave you guys with please. one more nugget? Please give me one more nugget, Hummer. Uh, our future brethren in the Big 12, Kansas. Plus 25 to Coastal Carolina. <laughs> they are the ECU of the Big 12, but only in football. <laughs> At least ECU is favored in a game this year. Yeah. I, yeah, but at least Coastal Carolina is good. Hey, at least you know, Kansas like, can what, beat Texas. What the hell is going on in South Carolina that they're a pick em with East Carolina? What is happening? Yeah, Steve Spurrier, man, rolling over in his undugree. <laughs> Steve Spurrier. Well, let's let's leave it there, boys. We've got our units locked in. All of us went with the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes for plus four and a half against Iowa State. We will definitely keep our eye on that game this week. Until next week, Sam, I appreciate it. Gambling Sam will be coming back next week to talk to us about that Indiana matchup officially, and we'll get into some of the other lines for that game. Hopefully hopefully we have more at our disposal than just the spread and the over-under. But nonetheless, it's always a pleasure to- speaking with you, and uh, we look forward to having you back, buddy. The pleasure is all mine. Go Bearcats. <laughs>